Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Welcome to episode 17. Today's episode is with Dr. Kyle Myers. Kyle is a genderqueer woman who is a sociologist, educator, and globally recognized advocate of gender creative parenting. She lives in Salt Lake City, but will be moving to Australia very soon. Kyle will explain what gender creative parenting is in the episode, but in a nutshell, Kyle and her husband Brent didn't assign a gender to their child, Zuma, when they were born in 2016. They use they, them pronouns for Zuma, and when Zuma is ready, they will choose who they want to be, whether that's boy, girl, or non-binary. The reasons behind gender creative parenting is to raise children in a way where they're not limited by the gender stereotypes placed on them from an early age. They play with whatever they want, they wear whatever styles and colours they want to help them form a true understanding of who they are. It's also a way to raise a child without assuming their gender based on their biological anatomy. Kyle has written a book about her experience called Raising Them, Our Adventure in Gender Creative Parenting. She also has a TED Talk, has been featured in New York Magazine and recently in Time Magazine. She's a kick-ass feminist and she's doing it all. I will link to all of those stories and her book in the show notes. Kyle also shares her birth story with me where she had a really positive planned C-section experience, which I love because we don't hear enough about positive C-section experience. And she talks about those early days, weeks and months of postpartum. There's so much in this episode and I'm really proud to bring it to you today. You can find Kyle on Instagram at Kyle, K-Y-L underscore Myers, M-Y-E-R-S. As always, please leave a review or a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. So Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell me a little bit about who you are and who's in your life? Sure. Um, So I'm a sociologist and I live in Utah right now, um, but I'm moving to Australia. I am so excited (laughs) about it. I love Australia. Um, I am 34. I am a genderqueer woman. I um, am married to an awesome Australian man named Brent and we have a four and a half year old kid named Zoomer 
I think I'm best known for my advocacy for gender creative parenting. Um, I have, I had a blog and an Instagram called Raising Zoomer, and I wrote a book called Raising Them, Our Adventure in Gender Creative Parenting. And that's been a lot of my like public work, um, but I think something that a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm also a faculty member at the University of Utah and my work for the last, I mean, decade practically has been around contraception and abortion care. And I have been directing a statewide contraceptive initiative in Utah. We help people who are uninsured or undocumented get contraception if they can't afford it. So that's been a really wonderful thing to do as a career. And I'm kind of leaving it. I'm stepping aside um, from that role when I moved to Australia and just kind of really leaning into this gender creative work moving forward. For people who don't know, what is gender creative parenting? So gender creative parenting for me means that we didn't assign a gender to Zoomer when they were born and we don't disclose their sex to people who don't need to know. And we use they, them, their pronouns from the very beginning and really tried to create an environment where Zoomer could learn about gender beyond the gender binary and beyond stereotypes. Um, and so that was, that's kind of the like high level overview of it. And I think it's also important to say the reasons why I do it. And that was my next question. A big part of that. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so why? Yes. Like that, that is what gender creative parenting is. And also it's good to know that it's called different things by different people. So there's a lot of families who are like us who have the same kind of goals as we do, but they might call it gender open parenting or gender autonomous parenting or gender expansive parenting. But we, we have called it gender creative parenting, but it all is pretty much the same thing. And the two, the two main reasons why we do gender creative parenting is because I have a lot of transgender and intersex and non-binary and queer people in my life. And I am queer. And a lot of my friends' parents got their gender assignment wrong when they were born. And it caused them some pain that mm. in, you know, like the way I see it, like, didn't need to happen, right? If we didn't, if we just didn't assign gender and we let people tell us their gender because gender is such a self-determined, right? And like personal thing. So that was one reason of like, I could have a kid who is transgender or cisgender or intersex or non-binary. And I wanted to be able to create a really soft landing for them wherever their gender identity and expression would be. And then the other reason is because I am a sociologist for the last decade plus, I've been studying gender disparities and gender inequities in health and economics and policy. And I just see how insidious gender bias is and how we interact with people and how limiting it can be, especially for kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like to kind of be plopped in these one of two boxes and only given half the store, half the Mm. adjectives, half the colors, half the opportunities. So I really wanted to just not put my kid in one of those boxes and just really let them play with it all and explore it all and have um, the freedom to just tell us what their interests were, right? Instead of us kind of being like, well, because of your genitals, this is what (laughs) you like the color blue. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to do that. So, so 
those are the big reasons of why yeah. I do gender kid parenting. And that stuff really does start from when you're pregnant because you know, I remember going shopping when I was pregnant to get some clothes and you immediately realize that there is this divide between boy and girl, blue and pink. The girls have frills and flowers and bright colors and the boys have trucks and hero. And, you know, it just, the messages that we're sending to babies is Mm -hmm. insane. And um, I remember reading, I think it was the article it might have been in 2018 that you were in about mm-hmm. babies. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that article. I think it got a lot of um, media attention in Australia. And, um, I saw the headline and I was like, what? I don't understand. What are they doing? And then, you know, you have this immediate kind of judgment like I did, not mm. in a horrible way, just like, a, mm. oh, that's, that's, I don't understand what's going on. I read the article and I was like, this makes complete sense. Like I, I completely understand that. What was it like when, so it was in New York magazine, right? Yeah. What was it like when that article came out? The, like the feedback and the criticism, what was that like for you? Hmm. That is a great question. And I write all about it in my book. Um, in a chapter called the media hoopla. Um, but to give a little bit of like background on it, I, so at the time it came out in April of 2018 and zoomer turned two in March of 2018. And I had made a really like explicit decision to avoid the media for, for up until then. And I don't think I would have gotten involved in it. If my friend Bobby, whose child wildfire is like the, gorgeous baby um for the cover of that story but bobby was like i'm talking to this journalist and her name is alex and i trust her and i think that she's going to do a good job telling the story about gender creative parenting and she wants to talk to you and because because you know not only am i like this practicing parent who does this but also because of like my background as a sociologist and i like study this and do this right so for work um And so I was like, okay, like I'll do it for you, Bobby. And so I (laughs) had this conversation with Alex and I do feel like she did a good job with the story. And we were one of like five, six, seven families who were in this feature, but because we had like the public Instagram, because we had the blog and because the Instagram was like embedded in that article. So you could just like read the digital version on the cut and then just like click straight through to our Instagram. Um, we kind of were the ones that got pulled out of that New York magazine article and then just sent on this like viral global media circus and, Mm. you know, just everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere. It was in Russia. It was in Italy. It was in Germany. It was in Mexico. It was in Brazil. Like, and then I do remember it getting to Australia and that was the country that I was most concerned about it going to only because Brent, you, you know, like it was like, oh, I don't want like my in-laws seeing us being talked about like this spectacle, you know, like on Australian news. Mm. And we were, we, you, mm. you know, so that was hard to watch that happen. Um, we, we were naive, um, like we're smart people, but we were naive about how 
media works. Like I just didn't realize that if you give one publication in an interview, then like anybody can pull from that mm. and like create their own news story about you that almost can look and seem like you gave them an interview. Yeah. You know? So it just kept going and going and going, you know, and now I see it. I, I see news so differently now, you know, mm. like people are pulling stuff from like the Kardashians mm. Instagram all the mm. time, you know, and I was like, I, know. Oh, I like, didn't look realize at, that. Like the Daily Mail, I don't think they actually do any interviewing they just pull twitter (laughs) totally totally totally. like it's like oh it's not journalism yeah they just just regurgitate what you put on social media so i learned that lesson um but it was so it was wild and the backlash was ferocious Mm. and it was a really wild time like there would be so many people who were supportive of gender creative parenting and also so many people who hated it, you know, Mm. and we kind of became this like target for people. So it was really hard. And we just kind of hunkered down for a couple of months and to flash forward to now to 2020, when I mean, I just had a essay in time magazine. I have this book that just came out and the there is not the backlash like it. Like, of course, there are some people who don't like me on Twitter. Of course, there are some, you know, some people who are emailing me to tell me their thoughts, mm. but it's just not like it was. And I think it's because the conversation about gender, right? Like the awareness of non-binary identity, the acceptance of gender neutral pronouns. I also think the awareness of just gender inequality, like through the Me Too movement and, um, you know, equal pay. I, I just think over the last couple of years, we as a global society have come a really long way. So I'm not getting as much backlash today in 2020 as I got even just two and a half years ago. Yeah, that's amazing because you know, if you really think about all of the inequalities in gender that especially women face, it's nice to know that in the space of two and a half years, there's some progress, like in Mm. terms of acceptance and Mm. understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think people are uncomfortable with gender creative parenting or, you know, don't understand it? Mm. That's a good question. I think there's a lot of answers to that. I think one of the biggest ones is that I believe that a lot of people think that gender is this really natural, innate thing, right? Mm. And and can't see actually how culturally influenced it is and how socially influenced it is and actually and how oppressive it is, right? That like gender is totally a system to keep some people in power and to oppress others. And mm. it, but the way it's marketed to us, the way we're socialized, the way we communicate about it. Um, It's kind of like we're fed this idea that like, this is just how it is, right? Like there's, it's binary. You either have these body parts or these body parts. And then you are going to, of course, be either feminine or masculine, right? Like it's also such a binary pillar of like, you have a penis and so we're going to assign you male and you're going to be raised as a boy and you're going to grow up and be a man and you're only going to be attracted to women and you, you know, mm. and like, it, and you're going to only have like this like cookie cutter masculine identity when that's not true. Right. So, so I think that people just think it's just so ingrained, right? Yeah. Like, like, like they aren't stopping to think like, wait a minute, 
did somebody make this? Is how is it benefiting me or not? Um, mm. So I think that that's one of the the big things is people just think like you're either a boy or you're a girl, mm. <laughs> and that's and I don't see it that way, right? Like I that's not true. And even if you are a boy or a girl, it doesn't mean all boys are the same or that all girls are the same, mm. right? Um, but I think that some of the kickback might come up around gender creative parenting. It can feel people can feel defensive, right? Because like gender creative parenting is an alternative to traditional gender socialization and it can feel a little scary, you know, to see an option that maybe you hadn't thought about before or is a direct like opposition to what you might be doing. Mm -hmm. And maybe some like defensiveness, you know, goes up or maybe some bristles go up of like, well, wait a minute, if you're doing this and you think you're right, then does that make me wrong? And no one who's doing gender creative parenting is telling any other parent that they're doing it wrong, Mm. right? Like parenting is a joke. I mean, I should have asked you like, can I swear on this podcast? Like, (laughs) (laughs) of course you fucking can. (laughs) Great. Parenting is fucking bananas, right? And like, like as if any of us are doing it any of it completely right. You know, Mm. I really don't think that there's like a right way to parent. Um, I just think you have to parent in the way that feels right for you. And so I do think that there can also be some defensiveness that comes out of like, we have a lot invested in the gender binary, Mm. right? And it can be really scary to think about things outside of it. But I think some gender creative parents or the principles of it are like, there's actually probably a lot of liberation for all of us outside mm. of this outside of this binary yeah and it benefits everyone like I I think was it, it might have been in your TED talk um where you were talking about how you know men are more likely to get skin cancer and um hurt themselves at work and that kind of thing based on how um you know care and safety is modeled to them as children And that blows my mind. And I think if everyone kind of understood it that way, there would be like more acceptance of Mm -hmm. just, yeah, kind of not sticking to this binary Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I I mean, I agree. Like even though the patriarchy um, is set up to benefit and empower men, it still hurts men, you know, it harms Mm. men to be able to not, um, feel empowered to be their full emotional selves, right? Like to have these models of masculinity to fit into that are not realistic and not, you know, like don't get to like tap into the whole like holistic human experience. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of freedom on the other side of it if we can kind of untangle ourselves from the the chains of the binary, you know, that can be really comfortable at times, right? But I think if we were to think about it the other way of like, who's this for, Mm. (laughs) you know? I want to do a bit of um, gender creative parenting myth busting. So I was talking to my sister about this the other day that I was telling her I was going to interview you and, you know, a bit of your backstory. And she said to me, well, isn't this kid going to be really confused? And I was explaining to her what my thoughts were on that, which mm. was no, <laughs> but I would love to hear that from you because I feel like that might be something that people um, assume. Mm-hmm. A lot of people assume that. And I kind of wish that I could get a few of them in a room and 
like engage in an actual like in-person conversation about like what does confused mean to you mm, right like mm. like what is it that you feel my child is or is not learning that your child is or isn't right like like I am so curious about what people mean by that like mm. what do you think my child's going to be confused about and so it's probably because they don't actually understand what gender creative parenting is doing. Mm. So, so the way I see it and maybe, so let me think about how to like, let me think about how to phrase this. So I wonder like, do people think that Zoomer is going to be confused because I am teaching them about the gender spectrum rather than the binary? And do they think that kids are not capable of understanding gender in mm. a complex and nuanced way, you know? So when Zoomer is born, like they know all of the words that they need to know to be able to describe their body. They understand what, because of their body, like what puberty would look like for them. They understand um, reproduction. They under, right? Like they understand these like biological components. I think some mm. people think that like gender creative parenting means we we withhold information from our yeah. child about like sex or so so that's one part of it right like zoomer actually has a vocabulary uh, to use for like bodies and reproduction and anatomy and physiology that's mm -hmm. probably far more advanced than a lot of other kids who are their age yeah and they also understand sex in a really nuanced way in that they understand that there are males, right? Like how, and even that, like I could like go on about how, even how we talk about sex is really socially constructed, right? Like we humans created words and we humans have like a limited understanding of it, but like they know that there are people who have penises and there are people who have vulvas. And they also know that there are people who are intersex and aren't either male or female, right? Like, so they understand even sex along a spectrum, right? Mm. And they understand um, sex kind of separately to gender. So they understand, like when we talk about reproduction, we talk about like some bodies have sperm and some bodies have eggs and some bodies have a uterus, right? And like, so they understand it in this just like technical way, right? Mm. About it. And then the way we're teaching them about gender, you know, is is just beyond what a lot of kids are being taught about gender. And so I think Zoomer also has an understanding of like gender in a way that's just more advanced than most. Like they know that there are non-binary people. They know what transgender means. They know um, what cisgender means, but they also, they also have been raised without um, gender stereotypes. So like there's been a lot of like counter stereotype modeling in our home. And so they don't, they don't like talk about gender in like a gender policing way as much as other kids do. So it's just like, so what about that? I guess, does somebody think is confusing for a mm. kid, you know, that like, we're just actually teaching zoomer about gender in a way that is um, how I think reflects reality. Mm, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Um, what's it like for zoomer and their friends you know, do most people kind of understand um, or, you know, respect what you and Brent are doing? Mm. 
Yes. So we, we have had a really charmed existence with doing gender creative parenting, especially because we're in Salt Lake City, Utah, which has a big queer community. It's a very progressive community. And I think that I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I, I had so many fears, like when I was pregnant, right? Of like, what is this going to be like? Who, you know, like, what are my daily interactions going to be like? And I, because I had never been a parent before, I didn't know that like, oh, well, like your world is very tiny when you're a parent to a, a, a kid, right? Like you go to work or if you go to work and like, if your kid is going to childcare, they're going to the same childcare center with the same teachers, with the same kids, with the same families. And they're with you all of the time, right? Like our world is, was kind of small in the yeah. beginning, you know? And like, there was just one of a few places that we would go. And the parents, I had to do some education. Like I had to do some proactive educating with the staff and the directors of Zoomers daycare. And also some like introducing of ourselves and the concept to other families. But like, I really only had to do it a couple of times because Zoomer started at daycare when they were five months old and there was, you know, eight other babies in the room or whatever. And it was, so I introduced ourselves to all of the parents through just like writing a little card, like a little note to them, just like, Hey, we're Kyle and Brent and Zoomer. We're doing gender creative parenting. This is what this means, right? We had made that blog, which was specifically for this type of purpose, right? Of like, mm -hmm. if you want to understand more about it, here's a blog where I've tried to put together some kind of frequently asked questions. Mm. And then here's my phone number if you want to talk about anything. And there was such positive response to that. A lot of parents, no one was ever like, hate what you're doing. You know, mm. they were like assholes to us in the mm. hallway of daycare. What actually happened more often was parents coming in and saying like, I think that we share a lot of values and I, I am constantly having to have conversations with my parents to stop only buying pink dresses for my daughter mm. or like telling her that she can't get muddy. Right. Like we had the same goals for yeah. our kids. Right. Which was yeah. like, we wanted them to be able to like live their best lives, you know, without expectations or limitations or shame. And so, um, we became friends with everybody, you know, really like who was at the school and the teachers were, um, open to learning. And we were also really gentle about it. Like we were not coming in and being jerks, you know, hmm. if someone had a pronoun slip or like, that was how we have had the most progress is by being accessible and gentle and kind and humorous and right. And just like, we, we know people are trying their hardest. So our, it's been brief, like it's been relatively breezy. And then once Zoomer turned four, they really started like identifying with a gender and gendered pronouns. And I use they, them still in like public settings because I want them to have some like autonomy over how they, you know, mm -hmm. declare their gender to the world. But so I think Paul, maybe this is like, you know, another one of those myths is like, your kid's going to have the hardest time when they go to school. And it's like, my kid knows who they are, just like the other kids know who they are, mm. right? Like who were assigned a gender. And so there's actually not this like bullying that happens that I think a lot mm. of people expected, right? Like, I think, I think what some people might misunderstand is that you're not you know, shunning gender, you're not creating a genderless person. No, you know, they 
at some point, like you said, will get to a place where they, you know, align with a particular gender or maybe they don't, you know, that's fine too. Um, But I think there's that misunderstanding that they, that, you know, the gender is, you know, bad and. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm not like, like, I I think that people thought that, that like, like I'm going to deny Zoomer a gender identity. Like I think mm. that that's how people are like, well, what's Zoomer going to do in middle school? You know, and it's like, well, Zoomer will be able to communicate and yeah. like <laughs> fend for themselves, right? And like, and whether they're like cisgender or non-binary or tra- whatever, right? Like, like because of how this like gender revolution is happening, they won't be the only like cis kid or non-binary kid. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like I'm not like no Zoomer, you can't use gendered pronouns, you know. Like found that you, dull. Yeah, you must you must look androgynous. You are 14 years old and you have no autonomy over how. Like it's like it's the complete opposite of that, mm. you know. So. Yeah, and what you were saying about the other parents at um, childcare, you know, having conversations with them, I think that that's amazing because even though um, some people, well a lot of people don't do gender creative parenting. I myself, you know, am trying to create a life for my son where he's not constrained by gender, where he knows that he can play with whatever toy he wants to play with. If he wants to wear a dress, he can wear a dress. Mm -hmm. I dress him in things that, you know, aren't sort of stereotypically male things. I kind of just play around with that a bit and it's you know if you were in my my childcare, I would be loving that like let's have the conversations and see how we can create a more inclusive um, space for kids mm-hmm. I think that's amazing well and even I would say in my experience which has been really cool to see is like zoomer isn't always the most gender bending kid in the room and that's <laughs> you know like like that's pretty cool right like it just it just shows that like kids are who they want to be, you know, mm. you know, and, and they know, and so, totally, like, I, I think totally. of, I've heard a lot of interviews with, um, with trans men and women and they know from such a young age, you know, from when they can talk that mm-hmm. they're not in a body that they want to be in. And yeah, I think we don't give young children enough credit to sort of know who they are, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is quite sad. Yeah. Well, or even just how much pressure we put on people of like the panic, you know, of like, if a boy does like a dress that it's like, oh, is he trans is, you know, and it's like, there's so much homophobia and Mm -hmm. transphobia that comes up in childhood that it's just like, like maybe, or maybe he's just a boy who likes a dress. You you know, like Mm. there's just, there's, there is a lot of, um, fear of, you know, like I'm among yeah. parents. Right. And it's just like, I think the kind of the goal of gender creative parenting is like, let's do away with the fear and the panic. And let's just like, let kids play with gender and like, let's let us adults play with gender. Right. And not feel so constrained mm. by it too. How did you go, um, talking to your family about, um, how you were going to parent Zuma? Like mm. when did that conversation sort of start? So it started at different points. Some I would talk to before we got pregnant. Like we, Brent and I knew that we were going to do gender creative parenting before we even got pregnant with Zoomer. I knew that I wanted to do gender creative parenting before I ever met Brent. Mm-hmm. Like I had been exposed to this 
philosophy, you know, this like way of parenting in 2012, when there was news stories about Sasha and Storm, there was like a kid in the UK and a kid in Canada who were being raised like this. And it just like flicked a switch on in Mm. me of like, oh, that's awesome. That totally resonates with me. And that's what I think I would do if I ever parent. So by the time I met Brent and by the time we started talking about having a kid, I was like, here's the deal. Like (laughs) I'm not parenting in the traditional way. And so that's kind of how I'm going to come, you you know, with like that, that's how parenting is going to be for me. And it wasn't like some hard sale. I didn't have to like drag Brent along. He understood why very quickly and was like, I'm down. Like, let's, Mm -hmm. let's do it. So when, like I was telling my friends who had really similar um, ideas about gender, you know, before we got pregnant, I was telling my sisters, you know, kind of early, like, we're going to get pregnant. We're going to try to get pregnant and and we're not going to sign a gender. And then, but like the people who I was a little bit more nervous about telling, like I waited a little bit longer and maybe Mm -hmm. some, in some cases too long of being afraid of like, okay, like how do we tell our parents, you know, that we don't want to disappoint. Right. And we don't want to confuse and we don't want to create like tension, but, Mm. but we do need to parent in a way that's true to our values. And so I told my, everybody knew, right. Like while I was pregnant, they just either knew in the second trimester or the third trimester, depending on how scared I was uh, Mm -hmm. to have that conversation. Um, And there, there were, I wouldn't say that like with my sister who has who has kids and with my parents and with Brent's parents, they weren't bad conversations. They weren't simple conversations. It was just like, there had to be a lot of like, what does this mean? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, what do you even mean by this? And then why? Like, can't you just trust that we won't stereotype your kid, you know? And it's like, but it's more than that. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't know if Zoomer we don't want to assume that Zoomer is going to be cisgender. Like, you know, like that's not what we want to do. And, and so it just took a lot of communicating yeah. with our family about why we wanted to do this in a really loving way, you know? Mm. And I think they were really, they were really supportive. Like everybody came around really quickly and were like, we get it. We want to support you. Um, but they were also still nervous for us, you know, of like, we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want people to be mean to you. We don't, Mm. you know, but it was just like, cool. We don't want to be complicit in perpetuating gender oppression. Mm. (laughs) Like, you know, it was like, and that's going to just be the risk we have to take is people being mean to us, you know, Mm. and are people mean to them? To my, to my family? Yeah. No, 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 no. I think, like, I think they were meaning, like, to us. Okay, like, to you like, guys. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, not so much to them, but, yeah, like, all, but all of our family have had to have awkward conversations on our behalf, right? Mm. Like, having to tell when their coworkers or when their neighbors were like, oh, so do you have a granddaughter or a grandson? You know, and they have to be like, well, you, you know, like, talk through it, you know? like Here's Kyle's number. <laughs> Yeah. And well, and that's why we made the blog. Like that's why we made raisingzoomer.com. And that's why we had that Instagram account, right? That was just like, let us just show you we're like, we're just normal people living our lives. This isn't this like science fiction, impossible life. How does it work if you're at an activity or out on the street or whatever, and someone says to you, oh, 
what a beautiful little girl you've got or what a handsome Mm -hmm. son Mm -hmm. you have. Do you take that opportunity to sort of talk about things or, you know, how do you respond to that? I say, thank you very much and (laughs) keep pushing my shopping cart, you know, like in the grocery store. Like if it's a stranger, like if it is like this one interaction that's super quick, right. And they're just good intention and just like, Oh, she's so cute. Or how old is he? You know, I just, Mm. thank you. 10 weeks or whatever the answer was. I wasn't like, we'll sit down, you know, and like, (laughs) buckle up let me get my lecture my lectern and because dr myers is here and we're having a gender and sexuality you know lecture in the produce section that was not happening so um it it was just when if that's kind of well but it was just a capacity right like what bandwidth do i have especially as a brand new parent i do not have the bandwidth for that right and it doesn't matter right in Mm. that moment it doesn't matter um to me, I mean, maybe other people would feel differently. And, and I guess it, it just kind of depended on like, I remember being on, most of the time it's quick, right? Just someone being like a, a quick passing compliment and like, that's all it needs to be. Thanks. Let it go. Not worried about it. And it was all really balanced, right? Like lots of he's, lots of she's. And it's like, cool, like Zoomers is going to grow up hearing it all and they're hearing they, them from us. And so they'll figure out what fits. And then, um, but there were some situations like I, I remember, um, like if someone would ever ask explicitly, like, do you have a, is that a boy or a girl? Right. Then I would say, oh, well, we didn't assign a gender. This is Zoomer. Um, we're going to just wait, you know, till they tell us who they mm. are, you know? And like, so it would just be this like really quick thing. And then I would learn to pivot. Like I would learn to say something to them. So they had an out, you know, like, mm-hmm. and if they wanted to talk about it, I was here for it. But if they did not want to talk about it, right. Mm-hmm. Like I was already giving them a path of like, this it's beautiful weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but it was like in the early days, um, it's like the only thing that we would get asked. I mean, we would get asked boy or girl, and we would get asked how old, right? When they're tiny, but I think Mm. it's because there's this like fascination with like teeny newborns, Mm. you know? Mm. And so it it never happens now, right? And it it really didn't happen. Like one Zoomer was like one and a half, two, like one Zoomer hit like toddler stage. Mm. People would just look at Zoomer and whatever clothes they were wearing or whatever, you know, their hair was looking like, they would just like make assumptions and use gendered pronouns or whatever. Mm. And, and wildly in the same day, like the same outfit, the same hairstyle, right? Like just a matter of like hours between the interactions some people would interact with zoomer and assume they were a girl and some you know two hours later would assume they were a boy so Mm. it was just really interesting to see like this is all a crap shoot right like Mm. like like of how people take in these cues right and interact with kids but no it was just it, it wasn't as difficult as i thought it was going to be and also people didn't care as much as I thought that they would. And people weren't as mean as I thought that they would be. And Mm. so truly it was just so much easier than I thought, but also like if I could, you know, if I could draw you a diagram, it would look like an X and it would go from like the younger zoomer was the more I got asked if they were a boy or girl. Mm -hmm. And then the older they got, the less I was asked. Right. Mm. And it's, it's actually this really unfortunate, um, 
model when you're this tired new parent and also a brand new gender creative parent and like kind of building up that confidence muscle you know mm. it was just like oh i hate being asked if i have a boy or a girl when i'm like still healing mm. and yeah just trying to get fingernail clippers like like and i know you're being you're just trying to be nice mm. stranger but like it's not helpful right and like what yeah. if i had an intersex kid right like Zoomer is not intersex, but what if Zoomer was intersex? Like, so then do I have to have that conversation in Target? You know, mm. like, oh, actually, you, you know, like, I just want people to stop and mm. think, like, why am I asking this? And I know that that it is coming from a good place, but I want people to consider the actual like ramifications of. Did you find out Zoom is sex? when you were pregnant? I did because I got genetic testing because it's like really early. Um, mm. Because I have, I'm the carrier of like a really shitty um, like genetic disease. And it was, and if, and if Brent had it too, like, like we needed to know. Um, yeah. We did the same if, thing. <laughs> yeah. So I got genetic testing early. What? Like nine weeks, eight mm -hmm. weeks like early. And so in that like report, right. Of like the genetic test, there was also like sex chromosomes there. Mm. And so I knew that. And then during the anatomy scan, um, I saw Zoomer's body, you know, just like I saw their brain and their arms, mm -hmm. like I saw their genitals and, and it, none of that information mattered, right. You know, like, like, so yeah, I knew their sex chromosomes and I knew what their anatomy looked like before they were born. Mm -hmm. And so what did, how did you respond when people inevitably ask, are you having a boy or a girl when you're pregnant? When I was pregnant, I would just say like, oh, we're going to wait to be surprised. You know, like <laughs> we're going to wait and be surprised. Cause I mean, I wouldn't go into that of like, well, I know their anatomy, but I'm not like, it's the same like when you were in this, when you're in the supermarket, you weren't giving lectures. Totally. <laughs> no. I wasn't giving lectures and, and I was actually giving a true answer to people who were saying, are you having a boy or a girl? I would say, I don't know because mm -hmm. I didn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like just because I knew what their genitals were does not mean that I knew mm -hmm. who they would be. So yeah. I just, we're going to be surprised or I don't know was my typical. Mm. So my typical. how did you, how did you navigate giving birth and making sure that you know, the people that were with you when you gave birth, I don't know whether you're in hospital at home, but making sure that your, your choices were respected. Like you didn't obviously didn't want someone to shout, it's a boy or it's a girl when right. Zuma was born. So did you have to right. have conversations there? I did. And it is a wild story. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a home birth. And mm -hmm. so I found, I did a lot of work to find a doula who was supportive of our gender creative parenting approach, who introduced me to a midwife who would be um, really wonderful. And I was like really set on like, I want to know exactly who's in this room. Like I'm okay with having a doula in the room and like a midwife in the room. I don't want like some midwife team with rotating birthing assistants, right? Like I want to have a really good relationship with like the two people, right. Yeah. Plus me and Brent who are going to be like in my dining room. Mm -hmm. And so I did that work and I had a, I, and I found that doula and I found that 
midwife and I had the most wonderful um, prenatal care and like pregnancy experience that was so affirming and um, gender was not an issue right in it. Like we were all just focused on making sure I was having like a healthy pregnancy and like baby was doing good. And Zoomer was breach. So Zoomer was breach forever and ever. Um, and I don't know if my egg was breach or Brent's sperm was breach, but like every single ultrasound that we had, um, Zoomer was breach. So a, a midwife cannot, A, a midwife in Utah cannot legally attend a home birth of a breach baby. Okay. And B, so, so my midwife was like, I can't even come, you know, like we, we, you, I cannot come and attend your birth if your baby is still breech mm. and B as like a first time birthing person, I had no desire to try to deliver, right. To try to birth a breech baby at home anyway. So I did a lot of work in like the last month of my pregnancy to try to flip Zoomer. So like everything, like chiropractor, acupuncture, I got mm. like the ECV, like the external cephalac version where, you know, doctors are like pushing mm. yeah. baby, trying to like get them to flip head down. Um, it was a lot. I was doing everything and Zoomer didn't turn and that's okay. Right. Like the, like it was a wonderful lesson for a gender creative parent of like, aha, children do not do and are not what you think they will be. Yeah. You know, or whatever. A lesson so, in control and how you need totally. to let that go. Totally. <laughs> totally. And so even though I had had this like wonderful experience, this beautiful vision for my gender creative home birth, right. It quickly shifted gears and I was going to have a, like a planned cesarean section. And so knowing Zoomer wasn't going to flip, knowing I didn't want to have a vaginal birth, um, with a breech baby, I scheduled a C-section and it was beautiful. Like it was wonderful. And I was in a hospital where I didn't want to be, but I like had to quickly do a lot of like catching up for this OB, um, you know, and like in his team. And so I, like, I didn't know him. Right. Like, and like, and that was what sucked so bad is like, if I would have known, right. That I was going to be giving birth in a hospital and would have known who my provider was going to be, I could have been doing that education and that relationship building. So I had to do a lot of relationship building in like a week. Mm -hmm. And I sent an email to my doctor and was just like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I don't want to hear, you know, like I already know what like Zoomer's anatomy is. I, and I don't want to have this announcement in the operating room um, about a gender assignment. We're not doing that. We're using they, them pronouns. Like I tried to like give the whole spiel and to then just like surrender right to the hospital experience. And I did my best like to to, you know, like advocate for my family and for my baby. And so it was beautiful. The experience of like, I got to the hospital, it was a Sunday morning. I got there at like nine in the morning and all of the stuff started of like, you know, I had to get like my IV and everything. And I didn't, I didn't actually like go to the operating room until close to 1 PM. And, but I was able to like have conversations with the nurse there because I wasn't in labor. You know, I was just like, this is what we're doing. And we had these really good conversations. She's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know? And, and just like, okay, it's so like, are there any gendered things here? Like 
I know there's gendered beanies that get put on the babies mm. and there's like gendered cards that get mm. put on like the little plastic bassinets, you know? And, and she was like, there are, you know, and I was like, well, what do we do for an intersex baby? Is there a green card? Like, what mm. do we do for like a kid who's not being assigned a gender? Is there a yellow card? Mm -hmm. You know, just like trying to ask these questions, trying to like inception her mind right to like make that was not what she expected delivery no and, but she when she so came open. to work that day <laughs> totally and like and i'm nice right like i'm yeah. not i'm not like this is some bullshit yeah. Alice. you know like i'm nice about it you know yeah. and, and, and so, so like so um but my doctor he came in, like, I had no idea if he'd gotten my email, right? Like it was like the night before that I sent it. And I was just like, I hope he got my email. And he came in and he said, I got your email. And he's like, I want you to know, I'm going to be, we'll be really discreet about the bottom bits. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. You know? And, and I was like, okay. You know, like I knew I had to do a lot of surrendering to this. Right. And like, mm -hmm. and so he's like, Hey, I'm like, I'm going to go and get ready. And like, we'll see you in the operating room soon. And I waddled to the operating room and walked in and there was the anesthesiologist in there and like a nurse and like, like, like a couple nurses in there. And I came in and I was by myself, like Brent wasn't able to come in yet. And I like got up on the table and the anesthesiologist started to do like the spinal tap, you know, and it was also, that was such a trip to go from like thinking I was going to have an unmedicated home birth to having, you know, like, and having to kind of psychologically shift there. Right. Where yeah, like, and quickly like actually, too. yeah. And in those birthing classes, I remember them passing around like the epidural needle and it was like, it was almost like, like a, like an anti-drug, you know, like, like passing around like a, you know, heroin needle or something. Yeah. Like you want to stay away from yeah. this. And you know, but it was like, you have to, right? Yeah. Like you, you have to get an epidural. And, and it was lovely. I was like, oh my God, I don't feel pregnant anymore. This is amazing. You know, mm. like, but, but the anesthesiologist, when I was like alone with him, he said, I hear we're welcoming a free spirit into the world today. Mm. And I, I was like, oh, Oh my God. You know, like, Oh, he, he knows. Right. And so, so my doctor had like taken it upon himself to, you know, like have this conversation with the team, like, mm. and it's a big team. It's an mm. anesthesiologist, it's pediatricians, it's nurses, it's scrub techs. And he did that for me, That's you know, amazing. and totally. So like, I just kind of like blinked with this recognition of like, oh my God, like they know, and they're being affirming of me. And, and he was so sweet. He was like, what, like, what is this little one's name? You know? And I was like, Zoomer Coyote. And he was like, that's an awesome name. You know? I mean, he was just lovely to me. And it mm. was just like, I was just able to just like, like feel so soothed in this room with these strangers, you know, with this thing, this decision that had made me so scared. I was so anxious about, you know, and to just have these affirming experiences immediately was so privileged, so lucky. Um, and so wonderful. It was like this litmus test too, of just like, we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, like we're going to be okay. And so in the hospital, everyone was so wonderful. The nurses were like doing all of this, like communicating with each other because nurses are on shift for quite a while, right? Like a 12 hour shift, mm. but we were there for three days because I had the C-section. And so the nurses were all amazing. And they would do all of the like chatter with each other of like, okay, here's this family. They're using they, them pronouns for the baby. This is mm. what this means. So like, you're not going to say boy, you're not going to say girl, you're going to, you know, like, mm. and, 
And so there was all of this happening behind the scenes, you know, like I really had to like send this one email and then like they all got to work, like creating this really positive experience for us. And so it was just really, really special, really, really special. And that's sort of, I guess, like you said, you felt, you know, some anxiety during your pregnancy and some worry about what is this going to be like? And then to have that as sort of like a final kind of sign that, you know, people are supportive and respectful just before Zoom is born, you know, that's really beautiful. And it's, I mean, that is not the universal case for everybody, right? Mm. Like we're Mm. really lucky that we're in this really progressive city and we're at like a teaching hospital, like, which actually has one of the best like transgender health programs. Mm. Like, so like, like they were, they were, it wasn't like brand new to them. So it was, it was really great. But I now know that like other people have had um, really positive experiences there and we helped, right? Like we helped set the stage for that, for Mm. future gender creative parents to, not be the first, you know, Mm, there. Yeah. mm -hmm. So what was early postpartum like for you once you were home with Zuma? Oh yeah. Oh, so I had a C-section as I keep saying, I mean, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like, so it was really, um, to also have to heal from a major abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, new, right? Like Mm. I know, I mean, for my friends who have had, you know, like vaginal births, you know, like I'm actually so grateful that I had a C-section because that sounds whack. Like, oh, like what happens? Like there's there's so many different experiences of birth (laughs) and totally no, but like, I just still like, I'm like, I'm like, I know that like this, the C-section like really freaks a lot of people out. Mm. And like, it was not easy, you know, by any means, but I also just think like, I think about vaginal birth and I'm like, I actually don't know if I'm cut out for it. Like, mm. It seems really, oh, it seems like a lot. <laughs> so I, I, who, yeah, it, it's hilarious to me to think that like, I was going to have an unmedicated home birth, like, like, Hey, people do. People no, do. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not hating it. I want. I know. To have I know. That. Like, I know. I wanted to have. But that, I had. You know? I have faith that you know. If you. If that's yeah. how things panned out for you, you would have done it. Oh, I. I hope so. I hope that I would have been able to like <laughs> tap into that like primal moment, you know. But like, yeah. Um. It was. We we were in the hospital. Zoomer was born on like a Sunday afternoon, and we were out of the hospital by Tuesday night. Mm. And, and we weren't super comfortable in the hospital, but like in, in hindsight, we probably should have stayed an extra night, you know, cause like I have we the got... exact same story. I had a yeah. C-section as well. My son was born early Sunday morning and we were home by Tuesday and I really wish that we had to stay another few days. <laughs> yeah. I think that we should have stayed another night, but like, like my husband's six, four, he was like sleeping on this, like little pullout sofa. Like he was, you know, I mean like, so he had like, he wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable. The come, like the hospital staff is coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like I remember being like woken up at 3am and it was like, do you have a plan for birth control? And I was like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. You know, like, Wow. Do we have to have this conversation right right now? now? Like I'm sleeping, you know? Mm. So yeah, yeah, get out of here. So like anyone, you know, in the U S system, do not wake someone up to ask them about their contraceptive plan. My God. So, so we went home 
and you know, I had drugs, like I had like Percocet, you know, to be able to like it because like the pain was not fun, but it was the first, those first, I think we were home for a couple of nights before like my family started coming and visiting. Um, and it was just like wonderful and terrifying at the same time of like, so we're just responsible for this little human survival now. Yep. Mm. I think I wonder if every parent goes through that thought process. I know we did. And it was at probably two in the morning and I still didn't have any milk coming in. And my mm. nipples were like mm. bleeding. And I was just, I said to my husband, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, why did no one tell us? Like, it gets better, but totally, totally. I had had like some luck with like nursing Zoomer in the hospital. My milk hadn't come in yet. My milk came in like the morning after we got from, got back from the hospital, I think. Um, and I just remember like, I have like very humble A cups that I'm very, (laughs) I love so much. And I just remember like waking up and being like, holy shit. Like, yep. I think they're called, it's called rock melon in Australia. We call it cantaloupe here. Right? Yep. I, like, like, I was like, oh my God, like my boobs were rock solid. And I was like, give me that baby. Like, I don't know what to even do with these even, you know? And like, and so that was such a learning curve for the first couple of weeks of like really, yeah, like having Zoomer attached to my nipple for like 16 hours a day and trying to like express in the shower and trying to figure that out and just being tired and wanting to take like the needing to take some some painkillers and just it was just it was so much that first like couple of weeks it's just like one giant blur you Mm -hmm. know of like one one oxytocin fueled blur Mm. though right like I, I know that I felt so good in it like like I was taking to it well. I did feel good. Um, And then it wasn't until like this and like people were coming over. My family was being awesome with like gender creative parenting. Like, like it just like wasn't a big deal, right? Like Zoomers gender, like their sex, nothing was a big deal there. It was really, Mm -hmm. I felt really, really good. Like we were just talking about like the birth and you know, who Zoomer looked like and it was just fun. Mm. Um, But I do remember like weeks, three, four, five, six being like, that's where I think I was like, what have we done? Mm -hmm. Because, because Brent, so family leave is shit here in the U S Brent, his work was like, okay, you can have one week unpaid. Mm -hmm. And so, cause he was like, my wife had a C-section, like she's recovering from a surgery. We have a newborn baby. I would like to bond with, thank Mm -hmm. you very much. And so one week unpaid the second week they were like okay you can work from home like but he had to like work they were like Mm. you know checking in on him he had to like be at his computer the second week and then by that third monday he was expected back at work and and it was just like what you know like i'm still i'm not even like supposed to like pick up a car seat you know like what am i supposed to drive so yeah so that was really really hard of just like trying to schedule the appointments. So like my sister could take me to, you know, one of these appointments or something And it just, that felt so unfair. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I'm so I'm, I'm angry about that. You know I mean? Like, I'm not like holding on to it. It's not like this like traumatic resentment that I still hold. I'm just pissed 
at this, like this culture that thinks dads aren't as important or that Mm. moms should be these primary caregivers and that that is the dynamic that every parent structure looks like, you Mm. know, and like, it just was really, really hard. So Mm. uh, that's when I felt, I think that's when I started feeling like really still good. Like, okay, I'm happy. I love this little baby. I'm figuring this out. Um, but, but feeling really lonely, like really lonely and really isolated because it did feel like the visits from friends and family and coworkers were kind of like scrunched up in the first few weeks, you know? And then it was just like, it just gets further apart, you know? And it was Mm. just like, I could go whole days without getting out of my pajamas. I would go whole days without talking to another grown up, you know, and it mm. was I'd just be alone. Like, and, and then that, that's really when, like, I think my splash of postpartum depression started settling in was like, my life is never going to be the same mm. again, you know? And it was, that was tough. So were you diagnosed with, um, with PND or? So I remember taking like the little survey at, I think it was like Zoomers. I don't know if it was like their eight week appointment, their pediatric appointment or something, but they had given me this um, survey, like a questionnaire mm, you know, yeah. in the waiting room. And it did, I remember like, oh, I know what I'm, I know what I'm being, you know, like kind of screened for right now. Mm. And, and I turned it back in and then the pediatrician was like, your responses to this questionnaire have me a little concerned that you either are experiencing postpartum depression or you, you, you might, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we had a good conversation and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt Zoomer. I'm not, um, like I'm okay. I'm just forever changed and I don't think I was prepared for right like no mm. no one could prepare me for this and so so I didn't like get on medication or anything and no one was like you have this I I think what it was it was like a I've got a splash of postpartum depression for sure and I actually don't know how anybody who has a baby doesn't, doesn't. like cuz yeah. it's it well, turns your whole world upside down and you've got these hormones and anxieties and you're not sleeping. Like anyone who's lonely, isolated and bored, you know, that yeah. that's a recipe for any kind of depression, whether you've had a child or not. So mm-hmm. yeah, I totally relate to that. And I guess going from, you know, being a professional working person who is around other adults all day and using your brain in a different way mm-hmm. and then going to having this tiny baby and not really having people to talk to would have been a huge um, transition. It, it sure was. And I like, I remember being like, okay, like I, there's this part of me that like, so wants to go back to work, you know? And like, but there was, but I also knew but no, like, you're never going to have this opportunity, like this type of time again, you know, I wish I could have known, oh, actually, honey, in four years, there's going to be a pandemic and you're we're gonna all going to be at home. And you're going to have a post, yeah, yeah, post pandemic depression, you know, but um, no, so that was, 
I had like a good experience. Like I, like it was a good, it was a good experience. I, I felt so lucky to have this like healthy, uncomplicated. I mean, I know I had like, you know, like people would probably argue like, oh, that's a little bit of a complicated birth, but like I, it was like wonderful. And I like look back on pictures of, you know, that time and know like, oh, you were so tired <laughs> and so scared and didn't know what you were doing. Um, and I think doing gender creative parenting added like an additional layer of anxiety on that, you know, um, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So were you able to do much planning for your postpartum or not, not really like in terms of support and, you know, what you kind of envisaged your postpartum looking like? Yeah, I think a little bit, I wish I would have like, I wish I would have asked for even more. Like people were, you know, I, I made sure like my dad, my dad and his wife came up um, like the day after or the day we got out of the hospital and they were here for a couple of days. And then my mom came up after that for a few days. And then my sister came up for a few days. So like in that early stage, I did have some, in-person support, um, which was helpful, just socially helpful, you know, just to be able to have like people to talk to. And, um, but in hindsight, like, I wish I would have been like, okay, who is starting a meal train for me? I will, Mm. maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start it and I'll send you all the link and you can all sign up for what dinners you're bringing me, you know, like, cause I think people want to help, but that just didn't really happen as much. And, And so I think, in height now, right now that I know what it's like, I'm super proactive when anybody in my world is having a baby. I'm like, and here's the meal train link mm-hmm. and you need to send it to everybody. And we're all going to sign up to bring you dinner. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that that's so important now. And like going and visiting, like I have a friend who just had a baby and I'm trying to go out there and visit her once a week because mm-hmm. it's especially rough times right now. But even just having that like break in your day, you know, yeah. of like something to like, differentiate Monday from Tuesday, yes. you know, it's so it important. Good. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you know, it's all well-intentioned and people come and visit, you know, in those first few days and maybe the first couple of weeks, but then it does sort of peter out and yeah. it's like, I'm still here with this baby and, you know, I still need help and support. So yeah, I yeah. think, you know, if I ever have another baby or maybe if you ever have another baby, you kind of might sort of stagger people or like schedule them in or (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah yeah and I was I was like big on like I gotta get out of the house like I've gotta we're going to brunch we're going this I'm going and walking getting a coffee like I I I got cabin fever so bad that that's what I knew I needed to be doing right like you just Mm -hmm. need to go like go on a walk like arrange for this and so I, I I did I think I was pretty good about asking for what I needed um but could have even done more. I, I think I was five weeks postpartum when I signed up. I was super duper fit before I had Zoomer, like really into CrossFit. And I do CrossFit now, but I'm like not at the level that I was. But there was this like postpartum like workout class, you know, and it was a couple days a week. And I was like so not healed enough for it. But I was like, I'm just going to come, even if I'm just like doing. <laughs> air squats or, you know, I mean, like, I was just like, I'm going to just come to be around people. And it was really good to go. I didn't feel like, and it's probably because like, I'm a gender queer person and I like really have an egalitarian parenting relationship with Brent. So like mom's groups didn't really 
like that, that, that wasn't like my people. Um, yeah. I don't relate actually to like the mom experience. And I think it's a big, a big part of that is because I work and Brent and I really equally share parenting. Um, but it was still good to be there. Like it was good to, it was still good to be there around them, you know, and, mm. um, it felt supportive and good, you know, and something to look forward to a couple of times a week. And it was like, you know, for a month or something. So. Did you notice that your, um, your splash of depression, as you put it, um, lifted at some point? Oh yeah. Yes. Kind of. It took a lot longer than I thought it was going to, if I'm honest. Um, Mm. I remember going, so I went back to work when Zoomer was 11 weeks old and like part-time, like kind of part-time, like I would go to the office three days a week and be home two days a week. And like working from home, which is a joke and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. no one's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did that. And I remember from week 11 and like for months and months and months and months, I, I always felt like I was in the wrong place. Like it was like when I was at work, I missed Zoomer and wanted to be with Zoomer. Mm-hmm. And when I was with a Zoomer, I wanted to be using my brain and being around grownups and working, you know, it was just like, it, it was just this, this constant guilt of not being at the other place type mm. of thing. Um, and it did, it took a, it took a really long time. Like I missed, I missed the freedom of my like child free life. I missed my the marriage dynamic that I had with Brent that I like that, that was just forever changed. Um, there was so much that it just took a really long time. And I actually, I would have to find it on Instagram, but I wrote about it. Like it, it was like 21 months or something like that. Like Zoomer was like almost two or mm, something. Mm. And, and I feel like I was like, Oh fuck, I'm back. Mm. Like, I'm back. Like, like I'm different. I'm not the same. Mm-hmm. but I'm back. Like I felt like my identity had, like, I felt like my sense of humor had found its way home. I felt mm. like my style had found its way home. I felt like my sex drive had found its way home. I felt like, I felt like that I no longer felt like when I was dropping Zoomer off of like, I'm a bad mom. And I never felt like when I was leaving my work at 4 PM to go get Zoomer that I was a bad employee, like, Mm. like the guilt kind of evaporated, you know? And it was just like a realization of like, Mm. I've got this. And maybe it was because we had gotten far enough into parenting that I had like amnesia of my (laughs) pre-parenting life, you know, which I kind of think it takes, like it takes, right? Like, like it's such a distant dream, like mm. week, weekend sex, you know, yeah. like it's such a distant dream, you know, like not being woken up, you know, in the morning by your toddler. So like it, it took, it took some time, but I think like, I don't have that anymore. And I do you know, like, um, I feel so good and, you know, like wouldn't mm. trade, wouldn't trade anything, you know, but it took some time yeah. for sure. And I think that that's super common for, for it to take time before you start to feel back to your old self in quotations. Cause you're probably never going to feel exactly like you were before, but right. I think, I don't know if it's the same in the U S but here everything is centered around a six week time frame. So, you know, six weeks to heal from a C-section, six weeks checkup um, for your baby, six week immunizations, um, 
six weeks until you can have sex. Like it's all around this six weeks. And so we get to this point in time and it's like, Mm. I don't feel, you know, back to Mm. who I was pre baby. Um, Mm. In fact, I think I feel worse Mm. (laughs) and we're not having enough conversations around how long realistically it takes you to feel this shift in like energy to kind of remember who you were. Like for me, I remember I didn't want to be away from my son. I couldn't imagine going back to work. I just thought I'm going to stay at home with him forever. And then we got to about nine months and I was like, I could, I could have some time away from him. Like I would Mm -hmm. like to have some time, just me. And like, it was sort of progressively, you know, I allowed myself to kind of play around with that, like go out for a few hours or, you know, at 12 months I started back at work and, you know, like it's, it's, a a Mm -hmm. different shift for everyone but I don't think Mm -hmm. that it's that you'd be alone in you know 21 months later feeling like Mm. okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. well I wonder my my experience would be so different if we would have lived in Australia right Mm. like where it's just so much more um I think it was the time of my life too like I was finishing my graduate program I got offered a job when I was eight months pregnant I took it right. Mm -hmm. Like my, my plan had been to stay at home with zoomer for like almost the first year, but then I got offered this dream job and they were like, when can you start? Can you start on March 19th? And I was like, that's my due date, you know, (laughs) like, no, like, you know, and so, so I felt like torn, you know, Mm -hmm. like here's my shot at like this career thing. And like, I'll be damned if I, you know, like, am going to be discriminated against because I'm a mom, you know? And so I just, I look back on Kyle of 2016 and it's just like, Oh honey, yeah, you know, <laughs> like you were trying to do a lot there. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I was a new parent. I started a new job. I was trying to, I was finishing my dissertation. I was doing this gender creative parenting stuff. Like I just look back and it's like, no fucking wonder you were really overwhelmed. Mm. You were spinning way too many plates that, you know, and, and now I think like, I don't know if I want to have another child, but I think if I do, it will be such a more like chill experience. I hope, you know, if, if we were of like, I probably would take a lot more time at home. Mm. You know, I would, I wouldn't be in such a hurry to like, such a hurry to heal, such a hurry to try to get back to myself. Um, I think that, and that that's something that Australia sets up quite well with like the job protections and things like that. But um, Mm. from what I understand, you know, like, but I just. Yeah. Well, did you get any maternity leave, like paid maternity leave or parental leave? So my situation was a little bit unorthodox in that I, like I was a graduate student. So my job was to teach classes and they were really wonderful with me. Like our semesters go, like our academic year goes from like the end of August to early May. And knowing Zoomer was going to be born at the end of March, I just pushed all of my work into the first semester. So I taught two classes like August to December instead of one, one semester and one the next. So actually like in January, February, and March, I didn't really have like a lot of like workload. I was like just working on my dissertation, but then when I applied for this job, um, so I kind of got like pre family leave, Mm. you know, like there was like months where I was just like kind of chilling and then, but, but I, 
was offered this job. Like I interviewed for the job in February, was offered it. Zoomer was born in March. And I was like, I can start June 1st. And so that wouldn't have been there. But I, like I was getting paid through my graduate teaching stipend and then, which was very little, and then started working June 1st. So like there wasn't a big gap in not making money and Brent was working the whole time, you know, and making money. We weren't making a lot of money, but it wasn't, um, I didn't need to go back to work to start, you know, like I, I would, well, we didn't make enough money for me to not do that. Mm. Yeah. And the, um, parental leave, like you said, Brent's work gave him a week or two weeks unpaid or, or yeah, work from one, home. One, one week unpaid. Yeah. But do mothers get paid leave like government leave? Not, they don't in the U S no, not, no, not typically like it's all, there's not federal and there's not like state like mandated it's all depending on the type of company you work for um it's all work-based you know and some will give you two weeks paid leave some will give you six like it's definitely not enough um Mm. and yeah you know, and I was, and I wasn't even in a job yet. Right. Like I was starting my job, like I was leaving family leave to start my job. So if I would have been there for like a year before being pregnant, then getting, and having Zoomer, then I, I could have gotten, you can take 12 weeks and not all of it is paid, but you just, it doesn't even have to any, none of it has to be paid. Like our maternity leave where I work now, I think it, it came into play like just recently, like Mm. six weeks at half pay or something, Mm. you know, like it's not like 12 weeks full pay, enjoy Mm. your baby Yeah, later. It's not that at all. This is like a whole other podcast. We could like a whole other episode to talk about the different leave um, entitlements in different countries. Cause Australia has, I mean, relatively good, um, paid parental leave but it's not in comparison to you know nordic countries and places yeah, well, like that so the u.s is like the grime at the bottom of yeah the like it's nothing you don't yeah. you don't have protections like it's not good mm. what were some of the joys in postpartum for you hmm. i i i feel lucky how easy it was for me to um, like like breastfeeding worked well for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But so it was a joy for a lot of, a lot of it while I was at home, but it was also a stress because I was trying to pump to like, I was trying to like feed my baby and also pump to try to like start to build the stock in the freezer Mm -hmm. for when I would go back to work. And I just couldn't do it. Like, like, I would just get like an ounce of milk, you know, and I was like doing the math, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like, I, this isn't going to work, you you know, like I'm, this isn't going to work. And so I really, a joy was the exclusive breastfeeding that I was doing in the first couple of months. Like, like it was, I liked it, you know, like, especially like after my like nipples weren't like chafed raw anymore. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I love, I really liked it. I liked it. I felt positive about it. It was a joy. I didn't have any like shame around it. Like I'd be out with my sister at like a pub and I'd just be like, Zoomer needs to eat. And like, boom, (laughs) boom, you know, like, like, 
Yeah. I was just like, I don't fucking care. Like I'm gonna <laughs> feed my baby. And I was, I just felt so good about that, you know, that I was super positive about that. So that felt yeah. good. But then knowing, ah, I can't, like, I'm not pumping enough. And also like, I got to go back to work. And I, I, I remember like pumping for like the first week at work. And I was like, no, like it was like, it's hot. But, but pumps have even gotten so much better now. Like mm. my, my work colleagues, I'm like, are you pumping? I can't hear it. You know? And mine was like, Ooh, oh, oh, same. Oh, you know, and I had I a like, hand me down pump and yeah. <laughs> this pump I mean, had seen some things. <laughs> I had a brand new pump, but it was still like, I, I just was looking down and it's like, I, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work, you know? So, so we switched to formula when Zoomer was like three months, four months old or something. And like, and it was all great. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and I, and, and so I also try to advocate for like removing shame away from people who choose not to, or mm. can't mm. feed from their body that like, that's okay. Let's get over it. You know? Mm. And so like the kids are fine. And so, so it, but it was, it was like a source of joy in that first couple of months for sure. It was fun. Mm -hmm. Like it was fun to be able to just like, it felt so good to be yeah. able to just do that. Right. Like to sustain this beautiful little human mm. for my own body. That felt mm. really magical. That was a good part of it. But I feel like I was a, like, I feel like I was like a good parent. Yeah. Like as good as I could have been. Of course you just like, I'm here, like I'm here and I just want the best for this little baby. You know, like I just, Zoomer was, is like, it was just such a wanted pregnancy, a wanted baby, a wanted parenthood um, that I just totally leaned into it. You know, it felt good. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, my handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.